What's up, gentlemen? Before we begin, a friendly reminder that this podcast is not associated with any church, school, or calling body, and nothing we say here is meant to be perceived as the official doctrine, teaching, or theology of any church, school, or calling body. We're a bunch of dudes who love Jesus. We love talking about Jesus, and this is where we air out our thoughts, so don't take it as much more than that. I hope that this is edifying for you. Let's get started with the show. All right, today's episode sponsor is Brigbeard General Beard Oils and Supplements. You've heard me talk about them before, and I wouldn't talk about them if I didn't love them. I love the dude, and I love the beard oil, man. He makes such good beard oil. Every morning when I wake up and before I go to bed, I take some of the Brigbeard General Beard Oil, uh, put it in my beard, like lather it in a little bit, and I take a natural uh, bristle comb or a natural bristle brush and rub it in real good. Make sure it gets all the way down to the skin. Uh, dude, when you have like flaky beard problems, it's not because of the hair. It's because of the skin on your face. It's drying out. It's not healthy. You need to take care of that skin. Beard oil is the best way to do that. So you can get your Brigabeard General Beard Oils and Supplements at sites.google.com forward slash Brigabeard General. Make sure I link that down below. Shout out to anybody who's been taking care of us and uh, helping out the podcast, whether it's just with your prayers. Um, we certainly are thankful for that. That's the most important thing you could possibly do for us. Um, or both uh, buying T-shirts and making $5 donations on the website. You guys are all awesome, and I thank God for you. I also just want to say thanks to you guys for the encouragement, man. Like uh, I, I've told you over and over again, I, I, the reason this podcast started is I wasn't the man I wanted to be, and I wanted that to change. Um, and I see myself growing every single day. And it's by the grace of God and with the help of you guys. I seriously can't thank you enough for helping to make me the man that I am today um, and help me to be the man I will be in the future because we're not done yet. I'm very excited to have Miss Hannah Shermerhorn on the podcast today. She wrote a book about singleness or she's working on a book about singleness. She's got a lot to say about it and a whole lot of encouraging words for people in general, but especially dudes today. Um, man, it's a blessing to have her on. Really cool conversation. I'm excited to share it with you. Like I genuinely really am excited to share it with you. Um, yeah, so I guess I better stop talking. Let's get into it. Say a quick prayer here, and then we'll get into the show. Heavenly Father, thanks for bringing us together again today in your name. You promised that we're two or three gathered together in your name. You'll be with us. So Lord, we pray that you're with us today. Guide the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts so that we might glorify you in everything that we say, Lord. Help us to speak the truth in love and bring some dudes ever closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. After the intro here, you'll hear from Hannah Shermerhorn on the Gird Up podcast. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. This is the place where young men come to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. And our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to be the men that God created them to be. So roll up your sleeves, gentlemen, and gird up. It's time to get to work. All right, our guest is uh, Hannah Shermerhorn, right? Shermerhorn? Yeah, yeah, good job. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Hannah. Thank you. Thanks for Washington. having me. Absolutely. I'm really excited to have you. I'm, uh, this is a good conversation to have. 
it's a so I have like bonfires at my house all the time. I invite all the college dudes over, and uh, this is one of the big things they're constantly talking about. I think even more so because they're young men who are like headed into ministry, and they want to uh, kind of they have a they have a picture in their mind of what life's going to look like by the time they get to ministry, um, and so this is definitely one of those conversations that happens a lot around the campfire. So. Um, Excited to hear hear what you have to say about it. But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first? Yeah, yeah. I'm super excited to come on and talk about this. So um, my background is I am from Fond du Lac originally, and then I moved to Milwaukee, and I live here with my cat named Fritz. Um, I moved to Milwaukee because I went Such to- Such a great cat name. <laughs> yes, he's awesome. I got him, I think he was named that at the shelter, and then he was my sister's cat, and now he's my cat, but he fits the name very well. He's got a lot of personality. Um, so- that's good. Um, I moved to Milwaukee originally because I went to Milwaukee School of Engineering and I got a degree in electrical engineering and technical communications. Um, and then I thought that I was going to become a lawyer. So I actually worked at a law firm and did patent engineering for a while where pretty much I just wrote patents and did litigation and stuff like that. But I love writing and writing patents is like the most boring form of writing. So after a year, I'm like, this is not the thing for me. Um, I moved over to a company called Rockwell Automation, which is the clock tower in downtown Milwaukee, if you've ever been there. Um, and I've worked there for about five years now. So I am currently a global commercial programs manager, which means that I'm in charge of marketing for um, some products called drives, which are on like roller coasters or assembly lines or pretty much anything that's automated. Um, and I've been doing that. I kind of come up with a global plan of how we're going to market stuff and then different regions take it. So it's very, very cool that I get to work with people all around the world on this stuff um, for marketing and everything like that. So that's my work stuff. Then I have been working on a book on singleness over the past couple of years. Um, so that is why I'm here today to talk about that stuff. I mean, I think the the immediate obvious question is why would one write a book about singleness? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so as you mentioned, you know, sitting around the bonfire and people having their hopes and dreams of where their life is going to go and how their life is going to turn out. I had pretty much the exact same thing when I was growing up. So I thought that, you know, my life was going to turn out where I would go to college and then I'd get married and I'd have kids. Um, and my mom and my dad, they started dating when they were in high school. Um, my brother and his wife started dating when they were in high school. Thankfully, my sister did not start dating her husband in high school. So I had someone who was different, but I saw how that happened. And I saw lots of friends and, and older people just got married right after college or even in college. And I thought that's the way that my life is going to go when I was younger. Um, so I dated a little bit in high school. I dated in college. Um, and toward the end of college, I uh, was in a serious relationship with someone. We were ready to get married, so we got engaged. And then kind of a few months before the wedding, he admitted some issues to me with addiction. And I knew they were going on, but they were just so much deeper and harder than I realized that they had gotten to that point. So we tried to make our relationship work, but it just kind of spiraled and spiraled and spiraled until it reached a point where it no longer seemed like the right thing to get married anymore. So I thought that I was going to get married in a matter of months um, toward the end of college. And then all of a sudden I was in this place where I was single 
And I just had no idea what to do. I couldn't fathom that I was in this place. I was getting phone calls about, you know, your wedding dress is ready and you can pick this up. And I was completely single. So I was just in this place. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> um, so I I was upset. I was angry about it. It was not where I thought my life was going to go. And I just really, really struggled with it for years. Um, but then over the course of time, through mentors, through sermons, through Bible studies, through all sorts of things, I kind of reached a place where one day, instead of being super angry about being single, all of a sudden I was really, really happy about it and really happy about the place my life was in. So I thought, hey, I should probably write down the things that I'm learning, the things that I'm still struggling with, and hopefully I can help some other people who are going on this journey as well. So that's how I got there. Yeah, cool. I mean, not cool, but also <laughs> cool in hindsight. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, it's cool to see the, the way the Lord works for sure. Um, yeah, I, that's a very similar story to to what's what happened with me. Is basically one day I had a it was like a three a.m. fight with my roommate, like literal knockdown, drag out fist fight in the living room with my roommate, oh, with like a whole bunch of other people around. I woke up the next morning and went, "Who am I? Like, what <laughs> is going on?" And uh, you say in that moment you either just start dying or you uh figure out what's going on and start pushing back a little bit and yes um you say that that that's what i hear that's what i hear you saying a little bit too is you know at some point you just like i, I mean i i'm a big i'm a big proponent of the wake up call idea the fact that god is just constantly sending us wake up calls and wake up calls and wake up calls and a lot of the things that we perceive as like the end of the world is really just the Lord saying, like, yo, can we <laughs> let's get right? Um, and uh, that's been my experience, at least. And uh, so I don't know, it's cool to hear you tell a story like that, um, because, I mean, that's that's what I hear and see um, in, in what you're talking about. And the joy that comes after that, I think, is the most important part of what you said there is um, it comes a day where you just go like, oh, you know what? You can be joyful right where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. I think I, I wrote about this in the book, but I think one of the stories that really impacted me was just the story of Joseph in the Bible. And he was in scenario after scenario where it was just a terrible situation he was in. Like his brother sold him into slavery and it's like, oh, this is terrible. And then it just got worse. Like he got thrown in a prison and he had no idea what was going to happen in his life at any of those moments. Like he probably had dreams of getting married and having kids and all sorts of things, but I'm sure it felt impossible in those situations. But he continued to just work hard and say, hey, this is where God placed me. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to shine for God. And this is what my choice is. So I think that was really a wake up call to me of like, this is the scenario I'm in. It's not what I chose, but I'm going to use this and do whatever I can because God's placed me here. So I can't, um, I, I really can only imagine what it's, what it's like to kind of um, go through that. What, where did that thought process start? Maybe is the best way to, to ask um, like what, I mean, you're sitting there kind of in the depths of the despair, right? Mm -hmm. What, uh, how did that path look as far as like what's going on in your mind and your heart um, as you kind of work back towards um, finding joy in, in your singing? Yeah, it was a very, very rocky road, I can say for sure. <laughs> um, so I know when everything kind of was getting to that really, really bad point, I was doing a lot of counseling and I was at a very bad place where I was having panic attacks and just reaching kind of a state of depression that I have never reached before. 
So I think I first started just by doing counseling, which was absolutely amazing. I used uh, Wisconsin Lutheran Child and Family Service, and it was great just to be able to go on my computer and talk to a counselor and everything like that. So that kind of helped me to heal what was going on inside of me. And then I think the really big thing that helped me is I became really engaged with small groups at my church and met some people who were just right there with me trying to go through the things that I was going with. And it wasn't just single people who I was meeting, I was meeting married people who they were listening to my story and understanding where I was coming from. And they just cared so much about me and what was going on in my life. And they didn't necessarily view me as this like broken single person. They viewed me as someone who had hopes and dreams and someone that they could, you know, help to help to go forward with their future and everything like that. So I think it was when I became connected with a really good community that knew how to support me. Um, then they started sharing, you know, Bible passages with me, books with me, all sorts of things that helped me to very, very slowly learn lesson after lesson after lesson over the course of years to get me to a point where I wasn't just bitter about the state that I was in. Um, and I also think there was a huge piece to me of looking on social media and seeing tons of people getting married who are my age and kind of moving on to that second stage with their life. Um, I kind of, I kind of view it as like being single as being on the B team and all these people are getting promoted to the A team and, you know, all these great things are happening for them. But I kept on seeing that and comparing myself to other people and saying, you know, why do they deserve this? Why do they get this? But I don't get it. So I think it took a lot for me to understand that I shouldn't be comparing myself to people like God put me in this place for a reason. And, you know, he specially chose this for me. So I think realizing those things helps and then meeting other people who are struggling with being single and being honest about their struggles with singleness instead of, hey, yeah, I'm just dating all these people and trying to go on dates and find the right one and everything's great. But people who are being real about it, like this is very frustrating. This is not what I expected life to be. Um, so that helped just to find people who I connected with, you know, on the same level. And then I travel a lot for work, at least before COVID. So I remember this one conversation where I was sitting on a plane next to this lady and she had approached me because she was a little bit older and she came when I was sitting and waiting for the flight. And she was like, oh, is this the right flight and stuff? And we started talking and then she saved a spot for me on the plane so I could sit next to her. And she, I don't know how old she was. I think she was maybe like in her 70s, but she was talking to me about how she was recently widowed. And when she started talking to me, she's like, well, I should probably go out there and start dating again. Um, and it just blew my mind that someone who, you know, was older was feeling this pressure of needing to date and not be single and all these things. And she had lived amazing life where she married some guy who actually programmed the spaceship to the moon and had kids and like all this crazy stuff. Yeah, it was an insane wow. conversation. Um, so just meeting her and meeting other people where it's like, I don't think that you would struggle with singleness and you've been married and everything and you're struggling with it. Like I must not be alone in this. And I kind of shared with her some of the things that I was learning and going through and, and saw how that was helpful to her, which was like crazy to me. So I thought, okay, this is, this is good. Like, I think we need to have a community where we're talking about this stuff more. So not a short answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, not at all. We're here to listen to you, girl. Um, what, uh, how do you know who you can, like, cause obviously, especially after you get hurt that way, um, it, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to figure out who, um, you can trust again. And, and 
even if you sometimes you know you can trust them and you still don't, right? So mm-hmm. how do you I guess the first part of the question would be how do you know who you can trust, you know, with your story and with um your heart essentially? Because right, we talk about that all the time on, on the podcast is the idea of, um, well, in order to so what the, when the Bible outlines what young men ought to do and what men ought, young men ought to be, I mean, the numbers two one is um, submit to uh, those who are in authority. Um, but in order like you can't be teachable if you're not willing to submit to someone. Right. So mm-hmm. essentially give your heart to them and let them lead and guide you. Um, so how do you figure out who you're willing to be vulnerable enough with? Um, that they can do that, that leading and guiding, because it's important to make sure you got the right person and the right people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what does that like? What work does that take on, on your end as far as like figuring out? You know, I just want. I, yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit of like how you got figured out who you wanted to mentor and maybe who you didn't and uh, like what those relationships kind of looked like as you built them? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I think this is something I've thought about a lot because when you're single, you don't have that one person that you can talk to all the time. Like maybe you have a good friend who's that for you, like a best friend or something like that. But I think being single, it's very good to almost be strategic and you don't have to be like this logical strategic person about who's in your life. But I think just thinking about it and spending some time on like who really builds me up in God's word and who can, you know, I help mutually do that for as well versus like who maybe do I need to support more than relying on completely. Um, so I kind of started thinking about this because I was at a work trip and there was this person who spoke at this breakfast I was at and she had moved from another country. And if I try to say her name, I will completely butcher it. Um, <laughs> so I don't even want to try. But when she moved to America, she struggled to create community. And this is coming from like a very secular perspective, everything like that. But she started doing things strategically, like making a list of this is what I'm looking for in friends. And this is what I think I can offer people and all those kind of things. And based off of that list, she found the people that she needed and she started creating events around that. Um, She creates these like dance parties now in big cities where people come before work and all dance together and and do things, which is kind of crazy and sounds fun. Um, So I started listening to her and just thinking about how that apply to Christian community and what I'm supposed to do as a Christian because I think it's kind of selfish to say like I will only be friends with these people I don't think that's what God's called us to do I think you know we should be a light to everyone um and supporting everyone so I think when it comes to who will I be open and vulnerable with it's normally just meeting people and then seeing kind of how our personalities interact Um, a lot of times it's really just God leading it to happen I think so I have met people for the first time and I will start sharing what my story is because something came up and then they will start sharing what their story is and then we're basically best friends forever because we've told each other our deepest darkest things you know Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to say like how that comes about for me. I think for sure having that Christian community and you just naturally connect with certain people. And when you see that they are pouring their heart into you and they care about you and, you know, you can mutually do the same thing. That's a great place to start and build those connections. But once you have a group of people who are really supporting you and care about you to your core, I think it's easy to expand that to other people where maybe they're struggling with things and they they might seem like they can't support you as much. But that's okay because now you have the energy to support them. Um, 
So the metaphor I think of is like we're on a bridge and we are a bridge and there's cars passing over us. And those are people who come into our lives and they lead our, leave our lives and we can support them. We can help them. But then there's the people in our lives who are pillars and they're helping to hold us up. So it's all kind of thinking about who are those pillars in my life who I trust and I can put my weight on and they'll support me. And I know that they won't crumble with me <laughs> giving them those things. And who are the people who I can just pour my energy into because they're here for me within this time and this is what I can do for them. I like that. That's a great metaphor. Thank you. I'm all about the metaphors. Yeah, so. thank you. I'm about to steal that one and use it. <laughs> um, I, I like that. Uh, it's, I, well, you're saying that while well, I was thinking too is, is once you have you know cars driving across your bridge, if you will, you become, I think it's easier to become less concerned with trying to add another car to the bridge. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. When you've got a bunch of people in your life who you know love you and who you love in return, um, whether or not those are people you're romantically involved with, it does make it easier, I think, to be patient when the time comes to be patient. Mm -hmm. That's definitely something I've experienced is like, I like to talk about a basketball team, right? You should have your basketball team of close friends Mm -hmm. um, because you can really only maintain like tight, intimate relationships with four or five people at a time. Yeah. And it'll change throughout your phases of life. It's going to look different from, you know, year to year and from phase to phase. But um, that you can really only maintain that. And so, But if you can retain that and build those relationships and pour into each other the way you ought, um, it's going like you're not desperate for that. You're not I don't want to say needy, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're not desperate for that attention and that that love, which um, you can only like in your <laughs> when you're desperate for it. It feels like you know get you can only get it from one place, yeah. right? Um, but when you have multiple people who are pouring into you, even as you pour into them, um, it, like I said, you're not in like a desperate need for something, and so mm-hmm. then you can be patient as you wait for something to come along. Yes, definitely. And I think like when it comes to dating too, after experiencing all that, like having that support system to support me moving forward with dating has been just so, so valuable because dating is such a scary, crazy world. And I thought that like breaking off an engagement was a bad thing. But over the years that followed, it was just like crazy thing after crazy thing. Like I dated someone who I knew for about a year and then I didn't date them at first or anything, but we'd started talking about dating in marriage and then one of my protective friends did a background check on him and it turns out he was married like just crazy crazy things that I never expected would happen in my life or as I like to say like they weren't covered in Christ light which was the the series we had as children telling us you know how to apply <laughs> Bible stories and stuff like this wasn't covered in Christ light I don't know what to do that's with hilarious <laughs> um, I love that yeah so I have plenty of those stories and I think like the first, you know, the first blow of breaking off engagement hit me really hard. And then I've dated since then and had a lot of blows and a lot of weird like, whoa, didn't expect this to happen or like what life am I living that this thing happened. But it's been like kind of little devastations after that. But then having this community who is in it with me is amazing. And then, you know, when I have met, you know, good people and I'm dating like a good guy, then it's just so much easier to dive in and be like, even if this doesn't work, I have these trusted people here for me. I have God for me. Um, And then dating and, you know, having God as the center and moving forward and and doing all that has made it much, much easier coming from that pain for sure. 
Yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. I think one of the one of the things that I always keep kind of like in the back of my head and in my heart when I'm especially when like early on when I start dating somebody is like I I want people to leave me better than than they found me. And so I mm-hmm. want to leave even the girl I'm dating. Like I want to leave her better than I found her too. And that yes. like you got to be you have to be so careful with each other, you know yes. what I'm saying? Like yes. in, in a positive way. Um especially like if your goal is in the end that um, like say you might leave them on an eternal level, like on a soul level, leave them better than you found them. Um, even recognizing that maybe this won't work. And even if it doesn't work, I want to still leave them better than I found them. Yes. Um, like how, how it, it's so, I don't want to say it's harder to screw it up, but <laughs> it's harder to really hurt somebody when you're, um, when you're in, like you can still hurt people and we're going to keep hurting people as long as we live on earth, because mm-hmm. that's just who we are as sinners. Um, but uh, that almost fades to the background and it can be like a logical, like, Hey, so like th- this legitimately thinking about what am I looking for <laughs> in a person? What am I trying to get out of life? That kind of thing. Instead of, you know, like an infatuation and, you know, a drive of the, of the flesh yes. and all that stuff, or even a drive to just not be single anymore. All that fades to the back, in my experience, yes. it all fades to the background as you more focus on, hey, I'm going to like, I want to leave this person better than I found mm-hmm. them. Definitely, definitely. And I think one of the biggest things I learned, like the game changer for me in being single was just how am I viewing myself? Like, what is my identity? And if my identity is I'm single, which means that I'm not loved and I'm lonely and I don't matter and all of those things, then when you approach dating, you're kind of approaching it as being a victim and trying to get some fulfillment in that. But if you're approaching dating and being single as, you know, single is not my identity. My identity is that I'm loved by God and I'm whole and I'm cherished and God has my life planned in a certain way for a reason, then when you start dating, it's so much easier as you're saying, like, I love what you're saying to pour into someone rather than just trying to get something out of them. So I think that's just huge Mm -hmm. in like being prepared for being single, but also being prepared for being in a relationship as well. Yeah. Well, let's dig into that a little bit. Why is it that people aren't okay? Like, what is it? What's the issue with being single? Why are people not okay with it? Yeah, that's a great question. And one that I have asked myself many times. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just saw a video of a, a single person who, who someone asked her, like, how are you still single? And then she responded with like, how are you married? And I just thought it was a pretty funny response because <laughs> I've gotten that many times. Um, so yeah, I think I think that society in general, you know, has put a lot of pressure on people who are single to get married. And I think I'm in marketing now, but there's just a lot of marketing in, hey, if you get this razor, you get this perfume, then magically all these people of the opposite gender are going to flock to you and you're going to be happy because you're in a relationship then. Um, So I think there's been a lot of marketing that's advertised at us that, you know, being in a relationship is better. I think social media has made it a lot harder of, ooh, look at all these grand pictures and everything like that. And all of these things are just showing the positive side of being in a relationship. Like being in a relationship is hard and a lot of work. And if you want a healthy one, it is going to be a lot of work and not be easy every every single day. So I think there's that. And then I know nothing wrong with this, but I know like in our Christian conservative 
conservative community that it's very, very typical that, you know, people go to college and they get married right away, which is amazing, which is awesome. But when you're not in that group of people that that's happening to, you feel like, you know, something's wrong with me. Why isn't this happening? So I think there's good intent to, you know, lots of people getting married young and it's great that that's happening. But if that's not the plan that was for your life, you can't make it happen. And it's pretty hard. Yeah, because we call that the MRS degree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, you gotta get the ring before spring. Yes, yes, I have heard all of the phrases. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, well, they, it's talking about the advertising, man. They told me if I grew a beard, I was gonna get a girl, right? And uh, all that's happened is I get a lot of compliments from other dudes. That's all that. I really <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Which I'm okay with. I love it. But like now, I walk around downtown Milwaukee, and I just get people going beard. Yes. It's like. And, it's not like there's getting girls walking out to me going like, hey, nice beard. <laughs> it's uh, mostly just dudes going, yeah, nice beard, man. It's okay. They're probably just. Which is okay, yeah, too. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Girls might just secretly be thinking it, but then they'll be like, it's, it's creepy <laughs> if I go up to a guy and I'm just like, hey, nice beard, man. <laughs> so you never know. <laughs> you might win my heart. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it would depend on how, I, I don't know. It depend on how I feel about the beard at the moment, probably. Yeah, that's else. true. Um, I. <laughs> so the uh like as as you're moving from you know like because not everybody had the you know, kind of the crisis moment that, that you had but a lot of people will still kind of end up in that same spot where they're just sitting there saying like how, like basically waiting for life mm -hmm. to begin um what's your advice for people who are struggling with their struggling with their their singleness um who like it seems like that's just consuming all their time and it's like they can't think about anything else. Yeah, I think it's really important to do a number of things, but I think some of the big things that can really help is just start serving other people in whatever capacity you have. Um, I think finding kind of how God uniquely designed you to serve is a really, really cool thing. And if you're pursuing that, you're not going to be so distracted by the fact that you're single. You're going to be like, God gave me these talents and I'm using them and I feel so good and I feel so fulfilled as I use the talents. And if you use those to serve other people, like, for example, I like absolutely hate the fact that human trafficking is a thing. So if I get involved with that on how can I fight human trafficking and I'm looking at other people who are suffering and trying to help them, then it's really weird for me to be like, oh, these people are being human trafficked and I'm really upset that I'm single. Like, it just totally puts things in perspective of, no, I can't complain. I have an amazing, amazing life. Like, other people are going through terrible things that aren't even slightly close to what I'm going through. It's so, so much worse. So if I help them and I'm super involved in just serving other people, then I think you're less distracted on what am I going through? You know, I'm a victim of these circumstances, all of those things. So I think just being involved with like, what are my passions? And, you know, maybe it's like actually going in and, you know, going undercover and helping people, or maybe it's just teaching Sunday school or, you know, meeting with the elderly and doing devotions or something like that. Like that's going to get your mind off of you being stuck in this rut of this is what my life is right now and get out in the world, see what's happening, compare yourself to people who are actually going through really really terrible things and realize like no we got this really really well off yeah no absolutely and i think uh well it's like c.s lewis talks about that all the time in uh particularly in his, his later writings like uh um oh boy near christianity <laughs> and the yeah. great divorce and things like in books like that where he's he's talking about the idea that um like 
the world's idea of humility is normally somebody who's like meek and doesn't think much of themselves. Mm -hmm. But the reality is those people are actually full of so much like they, they, they'll have a higher level of pride and selfishness than anybody else because the reason that they're and this isn't like for all people who are depressed talking specifically about people that lack humility. But mm -hmm. um, a lot of times when you're struggling with, you know, that kind of stuff, it's because you're so focused on yourself um, that you're only ever thinking about yourself. And um, the less like that's what humility is, is not um, it's not uh, it's not necessarily thinking that you're not worth anything. It's just being so consumed and concerned with the needs of others and with the well-being of others um, that your own importance starts to drift to the back. Mm -hmm. um, and that's I mean, that you can see that rooted in the golden rule, right, yep. uh, where Jesus says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And I think C.S. Lewis also does an awesome job of pointing out the idea that if I love my neighbor as myself, I ought to also recognize how easy it is for me oftentimes, like, especially if you're in Christ, how easy it is for me to forgive the people around me, yes. how, um, how often, you know, like I'll see someone else's brokenness and just accept it and work with them on it even and, and, and deal with it. But I won't accept that in myself. Um, and uh, the world will pervert that and talk about, you know, self-love and all this other, uh, frankly, it, it is nonsense because that love all comes from my heavenly father. I don't need to, I don't need to love myself if I recognize that someone far greater than I has loved me to the point of death and beyond. Yes. Um, then my love for myself is, is uh, what, what does it matter? Right. Like, who cares? <laughs> you know, right. like, like I, if, if my identity really truly is found in Christ, then, and my thoughts are aligned with his, then I'm going to see myself. I'm going to, I want to see his picture of me. I don't want to see my picture of me. My picture of me is, is kind of meh, but his picture of me is something else entirely. Yes. And uh, like I say, that is a whole lot of joy that can come from that, from that perspective. Yes. Oh, definitely. So, so true. Um, I forgot what I was going to ask you. <laughs> okay. What you were just saying was amazing. So I was just thinking about it as well. <laughs> um, so, one of the big things that, uh, so a little bit about my background here is I, I struggled quite a bit with pornography when I was younger. Um, and uh, that, it's been a huge piece of, of who I am and even how, this project and, and kind of rebuilding um, and, and remastering, if you will, that's not the right word, but remastering and just understanding what it really is to be a man is I had the world's best <laughs> upbringing, like as a, as a kid, you know, surrounded by men that were absolutely on fire for Jesus and loved me. It's one of my things my dad did really well is there were just always men who loved the Lord around me all the time and intimately involved in my life from the time I grew up. And he even he's still doing it now. Like he's still, you know, taking me out to ball games with his buddies and all kinds of stuff. Um, and I love it so much. And yet in the midst of that, I still just got lost along the way. Um, over and over again, you know, and it was, it wasn't always that addiction. It was all kinds of other things too. Um, but just getting lost along the way. And when the day comes where, you know, I, I talked a little bit about, it, I talk about it all the time on the podcast too, but where that day comes where you go, all right, no, this isn't, this isn't the man I want to be. This isn't where I'm going. And, and I don't have anybody around me that looks like that. Um, and you start heading back in the other direction. It does take a lot of, I don't like the term, but like the mm -hmm, idea of self work, mm -hmm. right? Um, how do you know when, like, I guess, 
one of the big things I've struggled with is recognizing when I'm necessarily ready to go back out and start. Like at one point, I, there's almost a concern of I don't want to go wreak more havoc on somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's you very kind I mean? of you. <laughs> and I, ah, yeah. but it's so real. And and yeah. then beyond that, so then you become so concerned with that that then you know you're again less forgiving with yourself, and you don't like. How do you know? <laughs> How do you get back in the dating pool? Like it's so tough. Like yeah. I, I'm at that point, but I want to hear what you say um, about uh, about that. Like, w- how do you get past those hurts? Um, yeah. How do you get your heart and your mind back to that place? And how do you know that you're there? Right. Well, that's a great question, and I love that too because I feel like you just like caring about what someone else. You know, what? How will I influence someone else? Means like you're gonna be great. You're gonna be fun. <laughs> Um, I wish everyone, you know, was thinking that way. That's amazing. But I think, you know, ultimately, we have no control over it, which is kind of can be a terrifying thing, but also the best thing ever, because God is going to, you know, do this when the time is right. So I know for me, like, broke off the engagement, then um, my friend had this fantastic idea of let's backpack through here for a month and a half after this horrible experience. Um, So that was awesome. And then after I got back, I kind of started dating and I felt like it wasn't necessarily enough time for me to process everything, but it was, you know, all these really, really kind friends saying, hey, we, we know all these single people, you should start dating and you'll find someone to get married and it'll be fine, you know, all of these things. So I started dating at first and just realized like, I don't have a lot to talk about. All I can think about is all these experiences with this person. And like, I had to revert to like my high school experiences to have something cool to talk about. I'm like, oh, I just don't feel like I'm in the right place. So I think I started going on dates and just feeling like, you know, I'm not totally ready for this. I don't feel like I can move forward or or anything like that. So I knew I needed some more time. Um, so I kind of did that. And then for a while, I just felt like, okay, God, like, if you want someone to come along, like, you have to make it very, very obvious, because I was to the point where I'd go on dates, and I just hated it. Like, I hate going on dates. It's such an awkward, strange thing, and I didn't want to do it. So it's like, God, you got to make this obvious if I'm supposed to be dating anyone. Um, so I had years of, you know, not dating anyone whatsoever, because I wasn't interested in anyone, or I just didn't feel like I was excited about that. And actually, so about two years, ago I started dating again and I was in a place where I was just finishing up my manuscript on this book about being single I had like one chapter left and I met the guy who's my boyfriend now and I literally told him like when he asked me out like I am writing a book on being single I'm not trying to date I'm not interested in dating all of these things and he was just like super nice about it and like okay well I'm, I'm sure I'll see you at this event or whatever and then as I saw him and you know things started connecting it's like okay maybe I thought you know I had this plan of like I'm not going to date maybe ever again but God kind of put the person in my life where all of a sudden you know I was praying about it and it's like no maybe this is you know okay to be doing even if I did want to be single or even if I care so much about this single message and I feel like it'd be better for me to be single doing a singleness message um, maybe that's not what God's plan is for me so I think it's really really hard to say like here's where you need to be in your mind Um, things like that. Because some people I've seen enter relationships where both people are just struggling with different things and they've come together and they've worked through it and they've been so much stronger because they've helped each other to work through those things. And then other people, you know, I see like, I'm going to work on myself and I'm going to get to this point. 
And that's awesome too, because then they can, you know, have all that work that they did and bring that to the relationship. But I think no matter how much you prepare, no matter how much you're trying to do, like you are going to bring baggage to a relationship and the other person is as well. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's a good thing because you can learn to work through it together. Like the struggle is going to make the relationship stronger. There's all of those things. So I don't have a good answer for you if this is when you should be ready. But I think it's just really praying and, you know, asking God if you meet someone or if someone comes into your path or even if you feel like you should be actively seeking like online dating, all of those things, like praying a ton about it. Like, okay, I'll try this. God, please, please be very obvious to me if this is the right path, if I should be moving forward, all of those things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And well, so I, for a while... And this is a little self-condemning here, but I, I'm an open book. We'll talk about anything. So the, uh, for a while, um, one of the biggest blessings for me, frankly, was the fact that I was teaching in the hood and <laughs> say, not, not throwing shade on anybody, but most of the women who were in my life on a daily basis were either 45 and very happily married yes. or were definitely not the kind of women I wanted to get involved with. Yep. Um, and that actually, I think, turned out to be a huge blessing for me because then it wasn't even like it wasn't even on my mind as far as like the people around me, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but so then on the back end of that, then I realized I'd gone, it had gone like I really had gone like two or three years without going on a single date. And I was like, well, ah, I got to <laughs> This isn't good either. Yes. Um, like we got to do something here. Yeah. Um, like I'm praying every like I for probably eight or nine years now. I've been praying every morning for my as their connecto as as it says in uh, in uh, uh, the book of Hebrews, like my helpmate, yeah. right? Um, I was thinking like you know I've been praying about this and I haven't actually been doing anything yes. about it. Um, so you know let's just see. And, and, and it came. <clears throat> so this is where it becomes a little. Uh, it's, a little uh, self-condemning <laughs> here is I probably over the course of five, I would say probably five years or maybe four years, I would estimate I probably went on between 40 and 50 first yeah. dates, um, which isn't actually <laughs> no. that bad. If you no. do the math, like that's not even one a right. month, but it's still a lot. Um, but out of those first dates, I probably only went on, 10 mm-hmm. second dates and I can count on one hand how many third dates I went on. And so after a while, my attitude was almost like, you know, see if you can make it to date number three, girl. You know? <laughs> like it was, and um, I actually had to institute a three interaction rule with, with myself. I like, it's a business practice of like, you don't make a judgment um, on, you know, a business or on like a business partner or whatever it might be until you've had three interactions with them yes. like in person. Um, and I had to institute that with myself. Like, if I don't think I could make it through, like, even before we go out, if I don't think we're going to make it through three dates, we're not, this isn't going to happen. Yes. Um, yep. And and again, just as much for, I mean, for my sake, so that I don't have to keep going through, like, <laughs> yes. Oh, it's like, exhausting. That process. I, it's, like, and even if you're not the one being rejected, it's exhausting to be like, all right, and I got, like, yes. really carefully yes. and kindly, you know. And uh, especially if it's like someone who you've been paying genuine compliments to and someone who you like really do genuinely like like as a person, but there's just you can't see it moving forward and you go, oh, boy, (laughs) (laughs) like here we go. And uh, so I think the uh, taking a posture of of waiting has been a far just for me personally has been a far more 
beneficial process. Mm -hmm. But I also don't think it would have gotten there without making all the mistakes on the front end. So it's kind of an interesting, like you said, everybody's journey is different. And uh, as imperfect people, sometimes we got to make a whole bunch of mistakes before we figure out how we're going to do it right. And uh, man, I'm really blessed to have the people in my life that I got in my life now, particularly the uh, young women in my life. Um, I just, man, they're awesome. Um, But they weren't here. Actually, some of them were. See, that's the worst part. (laughs) Some of them were like fantastic women. And uh, I just go, what on earth were you doing? But I wasn't like, okay, all right, I figured out where I'm going here now. <laughs> no, Sorry. I had to talk around a little bit. So one of the big things I tell other guys is like, I'll ask them about like, so who, if you could like any girl on campus, she didn't even have to be single, just any girl on campus who, you know, who you like, if you could, if you could just like start dating her tomorrow or like put a ring on any girl's finger, you just pick the girl and you make it happen tomorrow. Uh-huh. Who would that be? Like, what kind of girl are you looking for? And a lot of times they'll like, it'll be like a really high quality yeah. girl, you know? Um, and, and that's a wonderful thing to hear from a dude. Um, but then sometimes you got to have that conversation of like, all right, man, like what would she see in you <laughs> yes. where you're at right now? Why would she want to like, and I, I usually say it far more kindly than this, but um, why would she want to be with you? <laughs> you know? Um, and, and, and frankly, the reality of looking at yourself too and saying like, all right, well, am I really the kind of, you know, from a, from a guy's perspective, am I really the kind of guy who a girl like that would yes. want to be with? And uh, you say the answer to that shouldn't be no. The answer should that to that should be, I think so mm-hmm. or not yet. Mm-hmm. Like one of the two, because there's like, there's no reason there's no, you're not stagnant. There's no reason you can't move in that direction. Um, but you have to then do the work to get there. Um, how important do you think like that self-work is? And, and yeah. I, I think we talked about it a little bit and obviously it is important, but um, as far as like the relationships we're going into and even like kind of maybe restarting your dating life, um, how important is that self-work? Yeah, I think it's very important. Like I was struggling a lot with depression when I started this whole journey for lack of a better word. Um, and that was a lot of work just to work on that and kind of reach a point where I was functioning well again and everything like that. So I think that was very good. Um, like getting to a place where you feel generally healthy, you know, emotionally to move forward with someone. But I think it's also important and like a very important conversation with people who you're thinking about dating or starting to date of like, hey, this is stuff that I struggle with or I'm going through. And like, do you understand it? Are you okay? Like working through this with me? Because I know it's something I experience right now in dating is still having fear from the past of what's happened and trying to move forward with it. So having a boyfriend who's super supportive on like, yeah, these things will be, you know, kind of triggering of trauma to you or this or that is huge. And it's amazing. And it makes our relationship so much stronger. Um, So I think like, just being in an attitude of being willing to do the self-work when you're single is huge and is going to help you a lot. But then finding someone as you're dating who it's like, hey, do you also care about this? And do you care about, you know, like improving yourself as a person and trying to, you know, keep moving forward in God and God's word and all of those things? Like if you're both doing that, that's going to make for a great relationship. So I think bringing that to the table is amazing to do. And like I said before, like sometimes you will be in a dark place and you will meet someone and that is the time that God wants that relationship to happen and, you know, good will come out of that. And sometimes it's after you've healed and you've learned from things that that can happen as well. 
Yeah, I, the, it's the easy question of am I does this is this person bringing me closer to Jesus, and am I bringing mm-hmm. this person closer to Jesus? And uh, if the answer is no, I'm not bringing them closer to Jesus. Well, that's 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 on you, and you don't it doesn't need to end for you to change that, but start working right. on it. And uh, mm-hmm. if if they're not bringing you closer to Jesus, like is it really somebody you want in your life? You know, at least at this moment. Yes. Yep. And exactly. That's, uh, yeah. One of the I feel like I'm talking too much here, <laughs> but uh, one one of the one of the biggest pieces for me also is I have I wrote a credo for myself and I put it up on the wall and one of the things I include and so it's like my identity of who I am with Jesus it, like who I am with my heavenly Father and then who I am, like as far as like my legacy here of what mm-hmm. like where I come from and where I'm going and included in that I have um, oh, I can't even remember off the top of my head but. Um, it's something to the effect of I am a, uh, you know, faithful husband, beloved brother and son. And uh, I don't even remember what it is, but essentially like basically saying, all right, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to go. Um, and we're just going to like, I need to start behaving as I like, I want to start behaving like that man now so that it's not something new when that begins, if that makes sense. Yes. This yeah. idea of. Like I want to be someday. I want to be a killer dad. Like mm-hmm. maybe that's the right choice of words. A kick-ass dad. Um, and if I'm going to do that, there's skills and characteristics that I'm going to need to have, um, and character traits I'm going to need to have in order for that to happen. And I can develop those now. Yes. Right. Yep. And I, yep. It's never going to be perfect, but I can develop those now. Same thing with being a husband, right? If I, I, I there are certain like I know what. I have a good idea at least of what a good husband looks like. Mm-hmm. And if that's what I want myself to be, I can start working on that. Yes, definitely. I think I've had a similar realization too, where it's like, for some reason, I thought that you magically, you know, get married and all of a sudden you have these skill sets that you haven't been working on. But in reality, like, it's like, what, yeah, what things am I looking for having been and where can I practice them right now? Like, you know, relationships, we have relationships all around us. They might not be the romantic ones, but if I can cultivate those relationships, resolve conflict in those relationships, that's just going to help me in the future doing that as well. And I think this also, this reminds me of like a really good piece of advice I heard in dating and like trying to find someone too if you're like actively trying to look for someone to date um and it was you know think of the person that you're trying to date and where would that person be like you know if they're hopefully like yo i want someone who's christian so they will be at church or i like someone who's rock climbing so they will be rock climbing like don't just look for those things like be that person like you're saying that that person's gonna want to date so be be involved in those things that that person you are looking for would be involved in because that's just going to be so much more natural to meet people who are doing the same things as you who are excited about the same things as you and and meet in a more you know authentic way than trying to seek them out and trying to figure out where they are in all of those things so i thought that was kind of a, a cool piece of advice like go live your life in a way that like that person would would be finding you yeah well and you say it's the idea of like some people think it's going to be like a car accident, right? A four-way stop, and you're both heading you're both heading in opposite directions, and then bam, suddenly you're heading the same direction. Yep. Um, but wouldn't it be far more? Wouldn't that be a, a a far more enjoyable experience, and probably a far like less? I don't even know what the word would be. Far less traumatic experience if you were both driving in the same direction yes. and came alongside one another. Yes. It's a far more maybe. <laughs> It's a, just a, it's a scenario I would enjoy probably more 
than, you know, crashing into each other and changing each other's worlds. And you say, it shouldn't need to be something that happens. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So let's talk a little bit about your book. Um, Yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah. So about two years ago, I wrote my manuscript called You Only Have a Single Life to Live. Um, so it took me about a year after work every single day of doing a lot of research and writing it. Um, and every single chapter basically takes a person who is single in the Bible and looks at how their life applies to our modern day world of dating. Um, so I took a whole bunch of people who are single in the Bible, some people where it never specifies if they're single or not. So I just kind of was like, oh, if this story is good, we'll put it in there. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, so I talk about that and then I kind of thought out through what were some of the turning points in my life with singleness and how I felt about it and everything. So I tie in like my personal stories. I tie in here's what the single person in the Bible did. And then it's kind of like, okay, now here's what you can do in your life with the singleness. Um, So I wrote all that. And then um, last year, I started taking this book proposal boot camp by an author called, whose name is Lisa Turkhurst. And she wrote a handful of books that were super helpful to me. Like, it's not supposed to be this way, forgiving what you can't forget, all sorts of things. Um, so she wrote those books. She did a class where she would help um, kind of create a proposal, which is what you need to send to agents and publishers to publish your book. So I got accepted into that class. And at the end, they're like, we will publish two out of 100 people. Um, So I was hoping maybe I would be one of them, but I wasn't, unfortunately. Uh, So I got done with the class and was kind of sad to not get picked and and figure out what what was going to happen next. So the next step has been trying to connect with agents and publishers. And actually recently, Time of Grace connected me with their agent. So I'm having some conversations where that agent might represent me and then they would be able to send my book to publishers and hopefully it will get published. Uh, If that does not happen, I will just self-publish it eventually. So it will get out there. I just don't know what the timing will be exactly. Yeah. Is there any way to get access to some of the work that you've done right now? Yeah. So I think I haven't like published chapters yet. I might put a few things out there, but I think I've been curating content that's similar to what's in my book and other things like that. And as I move forward, I'll be sharing a lot more. Um, So I have a website, it's onlyasinglelife.com. And then I have Facebook and Instagram and both of them are only a single life as well. So there's different resources on the website and things like that. And then now that things are moving forward a little bit more than before, where I was just trying to figure out how to to make this happen, um, there'll be more content coming out. Yeah. Awesome. Um, before we, uh, before we get off the line here, what, uh, if you could give, I'm gonna ask you three questions. I didn't prep you for okay. these. I didn't prep you for these <laughs> at all. But, uh, if you were going to just give like uh, a synopsis, and this maybe is just a synopsis of your book here, but if you were just going to give one piece of advice for dudes in particular who are, uh, single and not happy about it, um, what would that piece of advice be? Yeah, it's hard to choose one, but I think like well, give us point- give us all the advice. Then, you know? <laughs> Just lay it on us. How many days do you have? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think like the turning point for me was truly like 
what is your identity in? And if you're viewing yourself as single, then, and that's what your identity is, you're going to be consumed with a lot of negative things. But if you're looking at your life as I am loved by God and, you know, God died for me, God loves me, he knows my name. And then also looking at your life as like, this is, you know, how long are we going to be alive? Maybe a hundred years at most, like a hundred years in our existence, which will be eternity is just such a small piece. Like we won't even, like, will we even care when we're in heaven and we're partying in heaven with Jesus and all the angels and God and all this amazing stuff is happening? Like, will we look back on our lives and be like, oh, I'm so happy now, but I'm really sad that I was single for all those years back on earth. Like, I just, I don't think that's going to happen. So I think seeing, you know, ourselves as we're loved by God, this is what our future is going to be. And almost looking at our present from that perspective of what is my future? Like my future is going to be in heaven with God forever. So how can I use my life right now to, to align with what that future is going to be? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, and like we were talking about that, once you're wrapped up in that, things are going to happen and the Lord's going to lead and you just follow and he throws people and things into your life and you walk with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I love that perspective of, yep, in the end, does it really matter? Right. Not in the slightest. Right. Not in the slightest. In fact, if he does give me a significant other, um, it adds to the things I'm going to be accountable for before the throne of God. Um, and Paul talks about that. It's such a tr- would be such a tremendous blessing um, to have the gift of Paul. And most of us don't have it, mm-hmm. but to have that gift of Paul and just be able to follow follow Jesus and not worry about anything else at all. Like what a yes. gift that would yes. be. Um, but what a tremendous gift it also would be uh, for the Lord to literally give us people and say, "All right, these are my children, but they're in your care until they come home to me." Mm-hmm. So either way, huge blessing. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, Jesus Jesus it. was single. Like he is, you know, he is who we love. So <laughs> I think it's fine, fine to follow that as well. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, great point. Um, second question here. If you could go back and talk to yourself um, at, you know, end of high school, beginning of college, if you can go spend five minutes with yourself, what would you tell yourself? Oh, man, so many things. <laughs> um, I think just really trusting God and putting a lot of effort into the fact that God has a plan. And I think when I was younger, I thought that I could perfectly plan out my life and everything would happen the way that I thought it would be, um, how I planned it. But I think just trusting in God, that God is a better author for my life than I am. So I may think that this is going to be the happy ending. This is the perfect thing that could happen right now. But in reality, like as I look back on my life and all the bad things that happened, now I see where they went and how great things have become because of those. So I always think like, oh, in the moment this is the right thing and this is the good thing that should happen but god has such a bigger picture so just trusting that yeah god really does know what he's doing and i'm just a human on earth who has no idea what's going on in the big scheme of things so i shouldn't think that that's better than what god has for me like just trusting that god does have a plan and he promises that so yeah i think that's it you know, I'm so glad to hear you say that, too. Like, I spent a whole lot of years thinking, like, you know, if I could go back to when I was 12 years old and, you know, just change that one event on that one day or go back to, you know, senior year of college. And and what if I what if I had texted her back, you know, like that kind of stuff. And just like I just so I was so wrapped up in that for a while. Um, and uh, now like looking back now and seeing where the Lord has brought me and even like anticipating the future like i don't even know what the future holds but anticipating 
you know, what he's done with me so far and where we're headed here. Um, like I wouldn't change, like a lot of people say like, well, I'd tell him not to do this or that or whatever. And I like, I honestly, as much as it sucked, I wouldn't, I would, I, I wouldn't want to do it again, but I also wouldn't change it because I wouldn't be yes. here um, if I hadn't. And so I think more than anything else, I would just tell myself like, Hey, <laughs> be ready, be patient and stay connected to Jesus. And yes. <clears throat> that's like, cause I wouldn't, yeah, I don't, I don't, obviously the Lord would still hold me in his hands if I hadn't made the decisions I've made, including the bad decisions. But man, what a blessing. He, like he's turned him into such a blessing. I don't, I, don't, I honestly don't want to mm -hmm. lose those. Exactly. I'll certainly love to lose the hurt, but <laughs> I know I think about that too, because yeah. even like reading through some of my old journals and stuff from when I was younger and it's just like, man, I was an idiot. And I was so like proud and like all of these things that, you know, I'm just like, I am so glad that I went through those things that changed me into the person that I am today. And I would, I know I would not be the person I am if it wasn't for those hard things. And even as much as I hate to admit it, like my bad choices and all of those things have led to this and to me trusting God so much more than when before I thought I could do everything and plan everything and you know do all the right things to get my life where I wanted to be so yeah I think that is huge huge thing to to really embrace I'm gonna add a question in here if that's the case so I'm asking yeah. four questions not okay. two questions so okay. um so dudes that are trying to find a woman who is a woman of God right um I'm actually I might add a bunch of questions here sorry <laughs> go for it now I'm just flowing <laughs> Okay, so what uh what are what are I don't know how to phrase it. What are what are women who are absolutely in love with Jesus? What are they looking for in a dude? I think I mean this is going to be a simple answer, so I feel like I should try and make it more complex, but it's it's a guy who's in love with Jesus also. Like when you meet someone and they are, you know, very overwhelmed with how much they love God, or they're just like speaking about like, hey, I read this this morning in my daily devotion. Like, I am so attracted to that. I realize when I just meet people, it's like, wow, this is awesome. This is great. So I think really like, yeah, doing that where you're just, you know, obsessed with God and loving God and living a life that you think God's God's calling you to do. So that, and then I think figuring out who you are and what your passions are and following those, because this is like a side thing that isn't as important. But I think if you are following a path for your life where you're just like working a job that you hate and, you know, all sorts of things, you're not going to be very happy. But then if you realize like God gave me these talents and I'm pursuing them and I'm using them to serve him, like that's again a thing where you see people doing that and you're just drawn to them because they are a light in the world. So if that works for friends, that works for people being attracted to you. I think that works across the board. Absolutely. Um, what should guys be looking for in girls? Um, I think, again, the same thing of like a woman. <laughs> well, <laughs> a woman how do you said. know is the, maybe yeah. is the other question then? I like, how do you know? How do you know if it's genuine? Yeah, I think a woman who's like passionate about God again and how it's genuine, I think, is, you know, you see how they live their life. Like what's important to them? Is it you know, going to devotions and studying with people and caring about their friends and serving other people? Or is it more like, oh, no, they just want to go party all the time and, you know, have fun and all of those things, like consistently. I think just really taking a look at like, 
where do they prioritize their time? Because I think we live in a world where so many things can consume our time. So what an easy way to see what someone cares about is what are they putting their time into? So if it is, you know, doing things that are related to serving God and, and studying his word, that's going to show through just by how they're doing their time. Um, and if it's other things, I think that will come out pretty quickly as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last question. Big question here. Okay. Um, what does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? Well, I don't know what it is to be a man. So, <laughs> well, fair, but what, what do you see? I think, um, hmm, that's a good question. I think, you know, pursuing God by, I've talked about it like three times already, but like having your identity in God and then really just seeing like in my daily life, what can I do to serve him, to seek him, all of those things, like having that as the primary thing in front of you at all times. So I think it's working within you, inside of your heart, and then also what your actions are like outside. Um, right now, I, I can't even summarize this because it's so profound, but I'm reading the book, The Cost of Discipleship by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. And man, that is a guy who is after God's own heart. He wrote this book during World War II when he was a pastor in Germany um, and talks about just what does it actually mean to be a follower of Christ? And like one of his quotes is like, if you're, you know, if you're a disciple, you God calls you to lay down your life and die for him, essentially. So I think there's just so much of putting aside who I am and what my preferences are and what I think I need for my life. I'm sorry, I'm not a man. So for a man <laughs> and a woman um, and, and seeing like, no, what does God want and what is his bigger picture and how can I serve that bigger picture over my preferences and my priorities and all of those things. Hey, I, your opinion is valid because you're looking for a man after God's own heart. Sure. And so say it validates it, it validates it. Mm -hmm. I love that. I, and you said like um, you hear people say if, if you repeat, if you hear it over and over, it must be important. Mm -hmm. Well, what, 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 what we're hearing from you over and over and over again is that we should actively pursue a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that is the only important thing. Um, everything else will stem from that. So, yeah. hey, great answers. Thank you. Great answers. Thank you. All right. One more time. Where can we find you online? Um, you can find me at onlyasinglelife.com or onlyasinglelife on Facebook or Instagram. Awesome. Well, I'll put all those links in the description below. Thank you, Hannah, for your time. It's been an awesome conversation. Yes. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, and publishing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. We hope it helps you along your journey to be a man after God's own heart. Be sure to check out the Gird Up channel on YouTube. There you will find many podcast episodes just like this one, but you will also find exclusive video content geared at helping you be the man that God created you to be by introducing you to other godly men, teaching you how to behave, study, dress, act, eat, and live like a man of God, and you'll find devotions to help you grow in faith. Please consider supporting Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping in the online store at girdupministries.com, or by making a $5 cup of coffee donation at girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. 
Make sure that you like, follow, friend, and subscribe to Gird Up and our guests on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Those links are in the description. And as always, we will be praying for you on your journey. Blessings, men. Time to gird up and go be the man that God created you to be.